The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video. As seen through the eyes of a second generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. On that note, <laughs> we are recording <laughs> behind <All right>. the scenes. <laughs> all right. Okay. Dror, are you ready? Yeah. All right. Well, welcome back to the Video Insiders. Hey, Dror, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Well, there's a lot going on, and uh, today's uh, episode is uh, super, you know, super exciting. We are talking about a new sector that is about to explode onto the scene. This is going to be huge, and uh, so I'm really excited just to jump right in. And, uh, and start our interview. Right. So we're talking about uh, a relatively new application for video streaming on the internet, which is going to be probably a huge chunk of it. On one hand, on the other hand, has very um, extreme constraints for the video encoding. And this is, of course, uh, cloud gaming. Uh, so we're talking today about uh, services that uh, render um, video games on servers in the cloud, and then uh, stream them uh, to the uh, to the end users who can play them on any device. Um, and uh, with us today to discuss this uh, very interesting topic is no else than uh, Beamer's own CEO Sharon Carmel. Hi, Sharon. Yes, welcome, Sharon. Hello, hello. So uh, yeah, I'm happy to be on the Beamer podcast. I think you guys are doing a, an awesome job bringing all interesting topics, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you. It's a pleasure hosting you. And uh, I think in around uh, a month, we're going to celebrate uh, one year to uh, the Video Insiders. So it took us, uh, it, it's pretty difficult to get our guests on. I mean, especially the ones who are very busy. But with you, Sharon, it took us a whole year. Uh, and finally, you're with <laughs> us. And uh, we're very happy about that. Uh, so, uh, tell us, uh, wh what is your interest, uh, in cloud gaming? How do, how did you start with this uh, field? Yeah. So, uh, cloud gaming to me is, uh, probably one of the first thing I've done as a, as a programmer, I've started, uh, actually, uh, developing a computer-based training and simulator for the Israeli defense forces a hundred years ago. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And uh, we started uh, building uh, computer simulations. And uh, actually, uh, computer simulators for um, uh, whatever, whether these are uh, 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 sonar scanners or, or other equipment, are very, very similar uh, to games, especially those uh, real-time games. So um, uh, uh, in the, uh, after I, I, uh, I did my uh, reserve duty, um, I, uh, I started also developing uh, other games uh, uh, with a commercial company. And uh, we, we did everything from, uh, from uh, puzzles uh, like uh, games, the Sudoku games, uh, all the way to uh, real-time uh, games and uh, shooters, etc., etc. Um, and uh, I find the, the logic behind it to be uh, uh, very interesting. It's all real-time. You need to develop a very sophisticated uh, mathematical algorithms. You have a lot of challenges because it's all about speed. It needs to look beautiful. It needs to play smooth. 
um, it needs to take, you know, uh, the latest and greatest that you can do on computer and still it needs to run fast. So this is kind of a confined uh, environment uh, and you always uh, push the computing limits, uh, the computing to really to its uh, very, very limits. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, cloud gaming is, uh, is, an, you know, is an awesome thing, but uh, I'm, I'm coming from traditional gaming and uh, have a hands-on experience uh, for many, many years. Now, let's be honest. How many hours did you spend in your bedroom as a kid playing video games? Well, uh, on, on, on summer vacation, it wasn't more than sixty days in a row. Oh, <laughs> and did you and did you actually see sunlight? That that's exactly what you do. You you you're, you're taining the shades down. That's right. Okay, you play and play. You eat junk food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then you know suddenly you're you're like you're you're like tired. You can you can barely see anymore. And then you're like going off the room and out of your room, and you see that the whole day just passed like it's you start at 10 a.m now it's 6 p.m you know and you're just you need to get take a break (laughs) that's great (laughs) cloud gaming is is not a new concept um there there were you know around uh uh, 2009 2010 2011 some some very well-known uh companies uh one was acquired by sony even um, you know, who made attempts at these or have been cloud gaming platforms uh, in the market for really years. Um, so on one hand, it, it, you know, this isn't like some new thing, and yet it is new in the sense that now it seems like it's really possible. Why has it taken so long um, for the, the console to be, you know, eliminated or the game to be freed from the console or the, or, you know, or the set-top box? Oh. Well, uh, I think there's two parts uh, for, for, for the answer. First of all, cloud gaming, it is really uh, important to explain, you know, what we're talking about. And uh, there are uh, multiplayer gamings where the rend- rendering of the gaming is happening locally and only the, the game position of each and every player is synchronized through a server. And uh, for that, you could do it, you know, uh, 10 or maybe 15 years ago, no problems. Uh, what we're talking about is uh, is cloud gaming where the where the game is actually being rendered on the server and 99% of what's going on is happening uh, uh, in the cloud um, that means that uh, all of the uh, uh, scene render is happening on the cloud uh, it means that of course you need to stream it and you need the bandwidth uh, to produce an awesome image all the way to the end user and what's happening on the on the on the browser or on the client side is is nothing but you know uh, uh, decoding the image and getting some user inputs, moving the game to the next uh, to the next stage. So uh, so when ninety nine percent of the of the gaming uh, computes get on the on the server and the the actual image is uh, being uh, uh, rendered and produced on the server, uh, this is something that needs great computing uh, resources and it competes. Uh, with uh, with the consoles that we that we have at home, and if you're if you're competing with PlayStation or Xbox uh, or a powerful uh, PC, uh, you need the equivalent amount of compute on the server side, which is uh, which is quite a quite a big amount of uh, of compute. It's more than than the average laptop or sometimes the average uh, desktop. So to compete with that on the cloud plus streaming it to the client, that's a big deal. And the second part is, of course, uh, 
that uh, you, you need to to push that images uh, from the server to the client in very low latency. And uh, I think this is still being a challenge. So I don't think that uh, game consoles uh, have already been replaced by cloud gaming. Uh, I think that uh, that uh, this is a beginning and uh, it, it, it is a process. But as you said, Mark, uh, this is now possible. And uh, I think, you know, that uh, maybe, you know, it will be 10, 20% of the market in the, in the next few years. But... Uh, Eventually, I, I see cloud gaming, you know, becoming uh, a dominant, uh, if not the majority of how people will play games. So you mentioned the issue of latency, which is a technical issue. And uh, as everybody knows, we're a technology company and we're doing video encoding. Um, so what are exactly the differences when you do video encoding for cloud gaming uh, versus when you do video encoding for... Uh, Uh, live broadcast video or entertainment video. Uh, what is the difference in the actual video encoding? What are the constraints that are placed uh, on video encoding by the application of uh, cloud gaming? Uh, low latency, it imposes a lot of handicap on how you code video. And I think that there are probably a few uh, technical challenges. Uh, first of all, you cannot really uh, use all of the advanced tools of uh, uh, a video encoder. Uh, one of the handicaps is that uh, you cannot use uh, B-frames, which uh, reduce uh, stream, co- uh, a stream size uh, by uh, 10 or 20%. Um, so this is one thing that you cannot do because in order to use B-frames, you need to have uh, some, some, uh, some look ahead and you need to have some, some, uh, some buffer. And uh, that means that you are uh, losing uh, tens of milliseconds, very expensive milliseconds, and uh, this is not affordable with uh, cloud gaming. Uh, so both look ahead and B frames are, are prohibited. And uh, uh, there, are other, there are other tools uh, that, that you cannot use because they're just uh, too complex and will take too much uh, time to compute. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, second thing is the, is the protocols. Uh, these are different protocols. Uh, you know, for streaming media, everybody knows, you know, what's HLS and Dash, and now uh, Apple is coming with a low-latency HLS. None of these protocols are, are, are a good fit uh, for cloud gaming. Even low-latency HLS uh, will require about uh, 250 to 500 milliseconds, and uh, that's, uh, that's not even a, a starter. That's called a kill zone. You'll get killed with that kind of delay. Even when you're going to play a puzzle, it's going to be a little bit annoying. You know, but by the time you push the button and it will stick to your cursor, that piece of the exactly. puzzle, okay, you'll say, hey, it's like, it's slow. So, so you cannot use this protocol. This protocol also using on the client side, they're using uh, uh, buffers uh, in order to give you a smooth uh, experience. You don't have that with gaming. It's either you, you're up or down. So, uh, so the bandwidth constraints... Are much higher you cannot use this protocol you need to use protocols like RTSP um, HLS and dash it's just not the right protocol for this kind of uh, of games the third thing which for video coding is also a challenge is all of the 3d games um, uh, coding uh, 3d and especially gaming when between two frames you have like you, you you're rotating your view by like 50 percent and All of the efficiencies that you can get in video for motion motion vectors is just uh, it's just so difficult uh, to get 
So you, you're, you're chopped. All of your advantages for video coding are kind of chopped from all ends. Uh, no look ahead, no buffering. The content is really, really hard to code because of the different perspective you use for uh, 3D and, uh, and, uh, and the great motion. All of that together uh, is just uh, something that you need to compensate on with very high bitrate. So, uh, so that's, uh, that, I would say, is uh, some of the challenges that you have with cloud gaming. Right. It's interesting what, what you mentioned about, uh, about the motion vectors, because there's kind of a built-in assumption in most video encoders that because of gravity, most of the motion that you will see is horizontal. And there's much less emphasis on vertical motion, whereas in a in a game, you know, you can fly around. It can be in space. You know, all of those assumptions uh, break down. No gravity. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> sometimes no gravity, and then uh, and then uh, um, of course you need to invest uh, more bits than usual in encoding your uh, your game. So uh, bitrate is increased. Delay needs to be minimized. You can't do any buffering. So, but on the other hand, the delivery of, this, of the stream needs to be reliable, right? You don't want to lose any bits. So, um, is it typical to use like uh, forward error correction codes to to protect the payload? Uh, it 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 depends. Uh, actually, I'm not sure that uh, that I know the answer, but uh, m- maybe you know it. Uh, I don't know. I I would I would assume that yes, because you need some uh, real time protocols. But uh, the redundancy that you built with forward error correction uh, increased the payload even more. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It increases the payload. But on the other hand, if you don't have any retransmission protocol like in HTTP, then uh, you know, you're never assured that you're actually going to get all of the bits that you transmit um, in the receiver. So you need to add uh, uh, some layer of protection. Uh, I guess nobody wants their uh, 3D game to start uh, breaking up into pieces, showing those uh, annoying purple blocks uh, when um, stuff is missing. For uh, wireless, for sure. And I, maybe even at the home, you can assume that there's a wireless barrier uh, somewhere. So uh, I, gu- I guess you're right. For wired, you know, uh, the, the error rate uh, is, very, is very low. But for wireless, 100%. And I'm sure that the amount of uh, forward error correction when you're on a mobile platform uh, needs to be multiplied. For sure. You did an excellent job, Sharon, of laying out, you know, the complexities. Uh, This is really a difficult problem. It's an exciting engineering problem. So I think for a lot of our audience, you know, this is really going to be an exciting, if they get an opportunity to work on a cloud gaming platform, it'll be um, a very fun thing. A lot of problems to solve. But what's our what's our thinking around advanced codecs? Because there you've got complexity. Um, and you know, obviously each generation, the objective is to reduce bitrate by 50%. Uh, and that's a good thing, but we know the complexity goes up and it, it seems like, um, for various reasons, which we can go into or, or not, um, the complexity is going up even more. And yet the, the, the bitrate savings is not necessarily correspondingly increasing. Um, what's our, what's our thought around you know, even codec selection? Well, I think that, again, uh, it has to be a match between the server and the client, but uh, it is definitely recommended to use uh, more advanced codecs. Um, 
uh, I think that, again, codecs are being introduced usually at a time where the compute environment is suitable. So uh, obviously, you know, the, some of the algorithms that you have in the latest codecs, okay, people knew about this 20 years ago. The reason that they didn't make it into the standards is because it wasn't the right time. So, uh, so that, that would be a, a part of the answer. Uh, obviously, uh, with gaming, uh, it is very important to understand that the video encoding challenge is uh, a few orders of magnitude bigger than what we used uh, with OTT. With OTT, uh, we're doing the encode once, playback many. So you have like a, a fancy title, you encode it, and uh, you can do all of your optimizations, etc., cetera, uh, offline and get the best result possible. And then you publish the same content to um, many, many users. With cloud gaming, uh, this is a stream per user. When we play, and uh, even if the three of us are playing the same game, each and every one of us see a different thing. We're seeing our own views. So there's actually amount of encoders that is equal to amount of the, to the amount of the of the online gamers at a certain point of time. So if you have a million people playing a game, guess what? On, with cloud uh, gaming, you need a million concurrent encoders, uh, which is a huge challenge. Uh, which I guess brings us, you know, to uh, to the question, you know, can we do it with software encoder? And I think, you know, that from a certain scale, uh, software encoder is just being too expensive. Uh, even if you're using, you're using like on-demand uh, kind of uh, a compute uh, uh, resource that uh, costs you less, there wouldn't be enough <laughs> uh, uh, on-demand uh, uh, computers available. Uh, for you to, to generate stream. And the cost will be just too high. Uh, if you think about the, the power uh, envelope that you need for a CPU to run 1080p60, I'm not even talking about 4K, uh, it will be like 50 watts just to, to render that. And that's, that's, uh, th that's a lot. So I think that for cloud gaming, uh, everybody understands uh, that you need uh, hardware coders. Uh, and the hardware coders are actually, uh, some of them have a built-in uh, handicap uh, that they don't have the B-frames, they don't have all of that. But for cloud gaming, it doesn't matter because you can't use it anyways. And the cost uh, uh, in terms of uh, the power envelope and the amount of concurrent streams that you can do with the hardware is, uh, is probably one order of magnitude and maybe will be pushed towards almost two orders of magnitude. So almost 100 times uh, in the future, and uh, and that will make much more sense when you're running cloud ga uh, games in the cloud at scale. Do you see ASICs or FPGAs playing a role? Well, uh, ASICs, yes, um, because again, it's like a, a you know, it's like an implementation of a, of a hardware core in a in an application specific integrated circuit, and the, the, there's no problem with that. Uh, with FPGA, um, uh, we do not uh, share the view uh, of, you know, FPGA being uh, very suitable for video coding. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, uh, there are people who are holding uh, different views, but uh, we developed uh, uh, an entire HVC encoder, uh, encoder uh, with FPGA. And uh, the, the amount of gates that uh, we needed in order to uh, develop that uh, encoder uh, was very, very high. So that means that you need a very expensive uh, FPGA uh, for that. So I think it is, uh, let's say that the FPGAs will be priced uh, uh, the same as CPUs 
or even half than the CPUs because you're uh, you're at scale and you're getting like your 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 best deal. I think still that uh, ASICs and the hardware encoders uh, will be at least one order of magnitude cheaper. So uh, I think that at scale FPGA will not uh, will will not be a, a good economical decision. And if we're talking about economics, uh, to me it's still a bit puzzling all the business model around this. Um, does it make sense um, economically? Will your uh, $8, $10 monthly subscription be able to fund a cloud server that is dedicated to you and is rendering the graphics and encoding the video for you um, on, a, on a continuous uh, basis? I mean, I, I assume uh, this will be kind of averaged out between the heavy gamers, which, as you said, from morning to night, they're... Uh, on their console, and the more light gamers that only play, you know, an hour or two in the evening or in the weekends, but still pay the um, um, the monthly subscription. But um, overall, is this um, going to make uh, to make sense? Uh, I mean, the cost of licensing a title and the cost of uh, uh, building and maintaining a server farm for cloud gaming. Um, do the companies expect to cover this from that uh, monthly bill? Uh, I'm sure they will, and I think that the averages will play uh, a, a great role in in that. Uh, but uh, but but we ne- we need to understand, and I think that we need to also to look at the typical gamer, and we need to break it into tiers. Uh, the professional gamers, uh, these are the most demanding guys. Uh, they have uh, special uh, built uh, uh, machines to to run their own games. Uh, they have uh, consoles. Uh, uh, they have special chairs, special screens, special headsets. Uh, these guys invest a lot. So first of all, the revenue that you can extract from such a gamer is higher. It's not necessarily at the $8. And second, I think that these guys will be the last to, to join the pack. They will experience with it, but what they expect in terms of uh, 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 resolution and frame per second is, uh, is very, very demanding. I think it is very hard uh, to meet that challenge. And the cost is uh, definitely beyond uh, the $8. Uh, but these guys w- will pay. And also it is important to know that uh, these guys are early adopters. So as soon as this will be uh, available, I'm sure that they will play with it. Uh, but it will not necessarily be their uh, number one choice uh, for playing their games. For the rest of us, uh, which is uh, uh, probably a larger number, uh, I think that the existing platforms and the duration time that we play is uh, is, is suitable uh, for for cloud rendering, and uh, uh, and the, and there are huge advantages. Uh, I think we need to speak about the advantages uh, for for those who are now uh, playing games. The setup uh, of a game is very complicated. It is complicated for the game developer and it is complicated for the player. And uh, with your permission, I will elaborate on it for uh, for a couple of minutes. For 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 Electronic Arts or Blizzard or any any house, uh, uh, a big house or a small house that is developing a game, and it plays on a console, then it needs to be QA'd on all of these consoles. And if it's on a PC platform, guess what? You have like a thousand different configurations that you need to test on. So the release of a game is very very difficult. And that's one complexity. Uh, for the end user, uh, the consumption of a game is also very difficult. Uh, a game can come in chapters, and every chapter is 100, sometimes 200 gigabytes of download. Uh, 
that's a big deal. It takes time to just to set up the game. Or if it's coming on a, on a, on a Blu-ray disc, then you need to, to go and, uh, uh, you know, order it on Amazon. And uh, that, that will take uh, uh, a day or two. So uh, to, to consume games today, it is, not, uh, it is not easy, not for the publisher and not for the end user. And also, you, you need to play with your console. You don't have the freedom to move around uh, unless, you know, you're going to your friend's house and he has a, a similar setup. So, so that would be, that would be uh, the, the constraints of today. Cloud gaming will make uh, uh, people, you know, to be able to play games wherever they are. Uh, they don't need to download the game. Okay, so you can just say, hey, I want to play this game. And after one minute, you play it. And that's awesome. And then you can play it on your, on your mobile device, you can play it on your laptop, and you can play it on a big screen. And uh, so, so the way that we consume games is going to be uh, 100 times easier than uh, wh- what we're doing today. So I think that the advantages eventually, uh, even though in terms of uh, delivery, bitrate, uh, quality, Maybe there will be some compromises, at least at the, at the early years. I think that the advantages uh, are, are awesome. And uh, because of that, I think that there's a great future for that market. Uh, but, but still, the fragmentation you talked about between the different devices, uh, which is a problem both for the publishers and the players, is replaced with a different fragmentation, this time between platforms, right? Because Sony has their own platform. Uh, Microsoft is coming out with their platform. Google is building Stadia. Um, Amazon is probably building something as well. So the game developers will still have to support several platforms and the players will have to decide which one of the platforms they, they want to use and then they need to get used to it, the way the library is built, the way the game is played on different devices, etc. Uh, yeah, I think it's, a, it's an evolution kind of thing. You're absolutely right. I think that, uh, first of all, if you develop for a platform, then, uh, you know, it has its own compute, it has its own GPUs uh, for, uh, for rendering, it will have its own encoders, etc., etc. And another platform will have a different uh, setting. Uh, I think that within time, in order to uh, compete, the platforms would like to uh, get the content creators, you know, coming to their platform. So I think that they will try to, uh, to, to create an environment where it is easier for you to, to adopt your game to, to, to a platform. Uh, so I think it's just an evolution thing. And you know, within a few years, you know, I can see, you know, one pl- platform is calling on the, on the content developers uh, that are uh, on another platform to, to join their platform and uh, to help them migrate uh, quite easily. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Sharon. I think, um, it, you know, it is going to be an evolutionary thing. And initially, Google and, and Microsoft and all these very, very large players are building their own platforms, building their own systems, because that's, that's all they can do right now. They're, you know, this, the standards aren't out there. It's not like something exists that they can adopt. Um, but in terms of publishers, um, the titles are going to have to move across platforms, how that all breaks out in terms of, you know, not only technologies, but business model. And, you know, that that'll take some time, but it will get to the point where this will be you gaming will be ubiquitous. Um, and I think we can look at our OTT in terms of entertainment content, the way that those services have developed and, and, 
there's likely a, a prototype there, you know, whether it'll be exactly kind of the same development path and, you know, business models, et cetera, uh, who knows, probably not, but you certainly, you know, we can look to that as a guide, I think. Yeah. But there's, there's one difference. I think um, in, in the OTT, of course, today you have those uh, very big players like Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and Voodoo, and now Apple is coming in and Disney and HBO. But in addition to those, you also have smaller player, medium players, um, individuals. Uh, actually, any startup can license content or create content, you know, set up a few servers of the cloud and, and start streaming. And as they gain popularity, they can leverage the cloud platforms to, um, to reach more and more users. But it seems that with cloud gaming, it's really a... a uh, a market for big companies only because of the need for hardware encoders, which are not standard in the clouds, and because of the need to have presence on the edge in order to lower the delay. That's why it's only, you know, the game for, for those big companies. And that's why we see such intense competition between Apple and Microsoft and Google and, and uh, you know, all, all the big ones wanting to capture some share of this market because they know this is a... Uh, uh, th this is their game. Yeah, it's you know it's interesting, drawer, because um, I think this is why everyone's eyebrows really like you know raised when Sony and Microsoft got together. It just shows here you have two in the console side of the business who are fierce competitors and and very entrenched, and yet. Uh, Sony is saying, well, we need, we need Microsoft Azure <laughs> and we can't do this on our, you know, right. on our own. So, so, so definitely so. it's a, it's a different undertaking for a consumer electronic, uh, absolutely um, company, even if it's a big one, yeah. you know, to go for cloud infrastructure because the investments are just, uh, are just awesome. They're in the billions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also when, when you break down the cost, okay, it makes sense that, you know, the cost that whatever it costs me. Uh, to buy a console, let's say it's a few hundred dollars. Okay, now I spend this few hundred dollars on the back end, and obviously I make that money back as a as a console uh, vendor because uh, people are are buying the games, and I'm also a publisher. Yes. So 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 the mod the model works, but when you're going, you move to the cloud. There there are additional costs, and 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 they're pretty big. Uh, uh, Number one would be, uh, besides the compute, which will be the, the, the equal of the console, uh, is, the, is the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If people are going to play, I don't know, let's say two hours a day on average, one hour a day on, on average, this is going to consume yet another 30% of the, of the internet. Yeah, and who's great. going to pay for that? that that's, that's an infrastructure play, which is, which is huge. Yeah. And uh, a second thing which needs to cope with that is, of course, the video coding, uh, our piece and our audience piece. And, uh, and uh, for that, you need tons of encoders. Mm -hmm. Now, you want to use the better encoders. You want to, to do some real-time optimizations in order to reduce this bitrate. So if you compare the cost of your encoders and uh, the delivery to the end user, which are additional costs comparing to playing it mm -hmm. locally, um, then you, you want to have good encoders because if not, your bandwidth cost is going to, to be very high. And uh, for that, you know, uh, you need to have uh, 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 the latest encoders and you need to have a good pairing between that and the client. You need to have uh, content adaptive. Like we have content adaptive uh, uh, for offline. You need content, 
content adaptive for for live in real time and uh and that's uh that's something that uh that that uh will reduce the beat rate uh, quite significantly more and uh as as we know and we can share with the audience this is this is what uh we're doing with with our content adaptive schemes they're not only good for for uh over the top and offline encoding this is also working for live uh we recently uh showed a successful p o c uh with intel gen eleven and uh we had a a post about it uh that c a b r is now working with uh intel gen eleven graph i'm sorry that now our encoders are working with intel gen eleven graphics and uh that means that a hardware encoder can now enjoy also a further uh fifty percent reduction uh when uh when running games and streaming games uh live and that's very important so I think that uh latest codex content adaptive is uh is super important uh for this uh, uh cloud gaming uh uh environment it is now absolutely building. and resolution uh you know of course entertainment services are are beginning to push more and more into 4k and um as consumers uh more and more 4k or uhd tvs are showing up in the living room r- resolutions are increasing gamers like they won't accept um 720p or you know certainly 480p it's 1080p is kind of a minimum baseline right and most i think 4k is kind of a kind of a requirement so for the for the for the heavy gamers you're absolutely right uh, for the rest yeah. of us i think you know 720 and 1080 this is uh will still be acceptable oh yes and this is think. also the reality especially on mobile you don't need more than 720 you're yeah. good you're good you, you need high fps for 4K, the nice thing is that um, in the entertainment world, you need to have capture in 4K and post-production and the availability of 4K titles is still limited and has been for a long time. Now it's starting to to pick up. Whereas with computer games, you know, it's just different rendering and you render it to 4K, you render it to 8K. It doesn't really matter because you do it in real time. So uh, if you want a 4K game and, and you have the engine and you have the logic of the game, then it's... Uh, uh, pretty simple to just uh, render it at the right uh, resolution. Of course, then streaming it to the end user becomes your uh, bigger problem. So that's it, Drawer. We've solved the 8K problem. <laughs> you, know, you know, many uh, many of our listeners will know if if you visited us at IBC, we um, you know had a, had a very well accepted demo uh, showing live 8K uh, encoding in software, and uh, everybody was blown away. But of course, the, the you know the very next question is, well, outside of the Olympics, what content's available? Hey, cloud gaming, <laughs> right? Gaming and, and VR, and VR, of course. Sharon, you know, so the current video platforms, um, we're, you know, we're talking here for a few minutes now really about the delivery side. Are are these, and I'm thinking of like the OVPs and even the CDNs, um, can these be easily retooled in your estimation to deliver this kind of content, cloud gaming content, or, you know, do entirely new systems need to be built? I think that the... of course, they need to to change the the, the platform, but uh, it is also at the same time representing a, a new opportunity. We're talking a market on a market that is bigger than whatever we do today. You know, for over the top, and uh, so the, the the opportunity that cloud gaming is is presenting is uh, is so big that uh, I will be amazed if uh, people will not follow that 
uh, opportunity and that CDNs will not adopt their infrastructure uh, to to be able to host uh, cloud gaming. And another interesting topic is 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 the convergence. Um, currently, you know, streaming of of entertainment content and and cloud gaming are, are completely separate. Um, and and I'm wondering if at some point there will be some some convergence. And I'm actually looking at it from from a slightly different angle. Um, lately, uh, we've been in discussions with some companies who provide um, an application called Live Casino Gaming. And, and I find this really fascinating because traditional casino gaming goes on in a casino with real players and uh, and and real uh, games. And then you have online uh, casino games where you see graphics and you play a game with a computer. But now what some companies are doing, they're streaming video, live video from casinos, either from actual casinos where you have uh, um, uh, players uh, coming in physically or from uh, studios that look exactly like casinos. And this video is streamed to the players and the players can play while watching a real game um, in a casino, which is shot in, uh, in live video. So this is kind of a convergence of uh, online gaming together with um, live video, live um, entertainment. And, and I say this is fascinating because I'm wondering whether this is applicable to other fields that are not gambling. For example, maybe someday I will be able to merge my uh, FIFA 2019 game with an actual uh, soccer uh, football game that is going on in some field or basketball or can play tennis with somebody and there's a real player there and I'm virtual. Um, so I'm you know, thinking of this type of, uh, of convergence where you're streaming something that is, is real and somebody can participate in a game um, online using some device. I'm sure it will come. Uh, and, uh, you know, developing uh, unique and new gameplays, this is what uh, those uh, game developers are thinking uh, uh, all the time about. And uh, the, the the casino games that uh, that you've just uh, described is uh, is again you know it's it's pretty remarkable. Uh, I didn't think about it until I saw it, and it works and it looks awesome, and it is also presented at the right time because you have like 500 rooms, so you need to occupy like 500 live encoders. You can still do that with software. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the scale, it works. Um, and uh, I think, you know, that this is uh, yet another step, you know, in the direction of uh, cloud gaming and uh, something that you can do today and you don't have to be, uh, you know, one of the uh, big uh, uh, cloud platforms in order to entertain. Um, but uh, as we move forward, I'm sure that this will be more affordable and uh, hardware encoders at scale will make their uh, move to the, to the cloud and uh, will be able to entertain even 100,000 and a million concurrent uh, gamers. And the gameplay and the games developers will start thinking, okay, what we're going to do with that when this is uh, becoming available? So this is, you know, uh, this is a kind of evolution. The game developers, they're always pushing uh, uh, the envelope. Uh, as, being a game developer myself, I know that you always push the envelope you're looking at the latest and the greatest. And once something becomes possible, you already know what you're going to do with it. So I'm sure that these guys, they know what's coming. 
So probably cloud gaming is going to open a whole new world of opportunities that is not possible at all with console gaming. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just by the nature of the platform. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. A console is stuck in technology that's 10 to 12 years old. And so your development, so you're a publisher yeah. and yes, you know, you're, you know, there might be some, some incremental improvements in graphics or something that you're able to push on the platform. But basically you could be literally 10 years down the road and you're having to develop, um, in this framework that is, that's very constraining. So I think, you know, this notion of like never having to upgrade your GPU ever again for cloud gaming is, is super compelling. Um, and obviously what I'm referencing is, is, it, you know, for a PC, I can buy the latest and greatest uh, video card today and GPU, but in 18 months, 24 months, you know, AMD and Intel and NVIDIA and, you know, all, all of the usual uh, vendors have already advanced the state of the art. What am I going to do? Upgrade my card every 12 months? Probably not. You know, but in the cloud, um, obviously they have to have upgrade cycles as well. I mean, they, you know, presumably aren't just going to, you know, go through every time a new generation comes out. But the point is, is that um, as a user, I get the benefit of, uh, you know, of what that platform makes available to me. And then that's how the platforms will compete. And there probably will be high, you know, there will be premium experience, you know, which will certainly cost more than $8 a month, but it's also going to give me, you know, more value. There'll be probably kind of a middle tier and then there'll be the casual gamers, but that's okay. Shorter, shorter cycles uh, for releasing games, um, uh, advancing, right. you know, more rapidly with the technology. I think uh, this is yes. absolutely a part of this, uh, of this revolution. And there are other things, you know, uh, when you just mentioned, uh, you know, we know Twitch where you're playing locally and you broadcast, uh, sure. when you're playing a cloud game, okay. It's already, it can be recorded at the same time. It's already rendered in the cloud. That's right. Okay. So I can, That's I right. can already record it for you. Obviously, if you want to, uh, uh, shoot, uh, the, the, the photo of the gamer, okay. You will need still to stream that on the uplink, but actually the, the, the game sure. itself at high quality is already present on the cloud. So, so the, the, the yeah. change of the infrastructure and the roles and where things are being rendered and how it is being scaled, it is changing the dynamics and, uh, and the release space and the, the way that things advance. Uh, and I think it will be more rapid, which is uh, only good news for gaming. I think it'd be helpful for you to give a, a quick overview on what we're doing in terms of CABR and hardware, what's coming uh, there. Sure, sure. Um, so, so in terms of, of Codex, again, uh, uh, obviously AVC is uh, still there and uh, going to be used. It is the least common dem denominator and uh, it will be used and is being used for cloud gaming. Uh, VP9, for sure, you know, Google is a platform. And uh, obviously, they will keep on pushing uh, uh, VP9. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, it is uh, a part of uh, the coming uh, Google Stadia platform. Uh, HEVC, uh, for sure, it works in software. Uh, tons of hardware implementation. I think it is more ubiquitous than uh, VP9. Uh, all of the TVs uh, support it. All of the Apple ecosystem and also other ecosystems are supporting it. So obviously, HVC is is very suitable, and and it brings, of course, lots of uh, efficiency. 
with AV1, we haven't seen silicon implementation. Uh, maybe there are a few prototypes, but uh, you know you cannot count uh, two or three billion units in the market uh, before five years will fast will will pass by. Uh, how complicated the silicon is going to be, I don't know. I can only assume uh, uh, it is probably a bigger silicon. Therefore, the cost is uh, is is higher. But uh, how much? Uh, I do not know. Uh, CABR uh, absolutely works in real time. And uh, the, the fact that uh, in the past we were uh, doing uh, uh, an offline process uh, was due to uh, many constraints and the evolution of our software and our speed as well. Currently, CABR can work at 60 frames per second or even more, uh, depending on the resolution. And it can work in real time. So uh, CABR does not need... Uh, to work on a GOP or a SIN level, CABR um, uh, is working on a, on a specific frame, and that's it. Uh, we have some temporal components that uh, look backwards on previous frame uh, in order to keep the temporal flow uh, in order, uh, but uh, there is no latency in terms of uh, the CABR process. And I think this is also very unique to, to what we're doing. And uh, now it's not theoretical anymore after uh, we made it uh, public that uh, Beamer and Intel had a first success with uh, Gen 11 graphics uh, and iStake uh, where uh, CABR is driving the Intel uh, hardware uh, encoder. Uh, This is a system uh, which is suitable for cloud gaming as well. That means that uh, the hardware is doing all of the video encode. There's no video encode. There's no Beamer uh, encoder there, but there's the Beamer CABR logic that controls the encoder, and the results are pretty amazing, I must say. You know, we didn't think uh, that we will yield the 30 to 50 percent that we yield with software with our own CABR and our own codex, and uh, to our surprise, uh, it works. It works with the with the with the simple games, and uh, you also get to the 30 percent uh, range even with the uh, with the shooters. Uh, and the 3D shooters with the, the difficult perspectives. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's looking very promising and it's already a reality. It's not, re- it's not an assumption that uh, content adaptive bitrate coming from uh, Beamer can, uh, can work in real time and the hardware implementation. And the bit rates that, that we're seeing, I mean, I know you mentioned like 30% um, to 50%, but uh, for 1080p, what does that translate to? Is that, you know, five megabits, six megabits, uh, P60? Oh, we wish. Uh, because of the handicap uh, that, that you impose on, uh, on, uh, on, on, the, on the encoder and you don't have any B-frames and you don't have the look ahead, everybody's suffering. Yes. Uh, and the complexity of the content. So cloud gaming today for 1080p60, this is anywhere between 20 and 30 megabits per second. That's correct. And that's what Google is quoting, by the way, for Stadia. Okay, good. So now I'm not making a number. <laughs> <laughs> so so it is it is really important to understand that the bit rates are through the roof when you compare it with, with OTT, because with OTT, again, you can use more advanced tools for video coding. You can use the B frames, the look ahead, and that can that can, that can double uh, your your efficiency. You don't have that with cloud gaming and you're running at high frame per second. Uh, which is not necessarily what you have with OTT. The 24 to 30 frames per second is uh, uh, how most of the content is being uh, uh, produced and uh, and delivered. So you have more frames and you have more complexity. 
Um, but even at the 20 and 30 uh, megabits uh, with a hardware encoder, uh, we, combined with CABR, we could see uh, 10 and 15 megabits per second for 1080p 60 content, which is quite remarkable. Yeah, it, it really is. And so part of the reason why I asked the question and even asked, you know, about the five and six megabits is because I think it, it, most of our audience are, you know, coming from kind of the VOD world and, and even worlds where maybe five megabit 1080p seems even a little bit on the higher side uh, today. Um, but it is true. The cloud gaming platforms are making very, you know, very public, um, including, you know, Google and, and the Stadia announcement that um, 2020 to even maybe as high as 30 megabits is is what's required. Uh, and so getting into that, you know, 10, 12 megabit range is a, is a huge savings, uh, very, very significant. Sure, sure. And, 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 and the infrastructure is the bottleneck, the, the, deli- the delivery, the actual bandwidth yeah. that, you, that you get. Uh, this is the actual barrier there. And uh, there's, no, uh, there's no way, you know, that this is going to double within two years. Uh, with the, the infrastructure cost is just in the, in the billions. And uh, it takes time because this is physical infrastructure in many places. And just to upgrade it takes a lot of time. So uh, investing in uh, better video coding tools and moving to uh, newer standards, this is absolutely the way to deal with this challenge. Well, this has been uh, an amazing conversation, really insightful. we uh, definitely should have you back. I think, you know, once these platforms actually um, have launched, I am a Stadia founder. So I've got my, I think it's a custom, I think it's a custom blue controller. I, I don't even remember. I just, <laughs> when when I got the email, I literally, I clicked the link. I got out my credit card. and I, So, you know, I'm just super excited, obviously working in the industry. Uh, you know, there's, there's professional interest, of course, but um, I, I just see massive potential um, in cloud gaming. I think it's um, it's it's exciting. It's 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 big. It's going to be huge. And uh, so, yeah, I'm jumping in. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, Sharon, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate uh, your time, and we look forward to having you back soon. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders Podcast, a production of Beamer Limited. To begin using Beamer's Codex today, go to beamer.com forward slash free to receive up to 100 hours of no-cost HEVC and H.264 transcoding every month.